Welcome to the Stonebridge Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor David Eldridge. Galatians begins about, up th- about halfway through chapter 2. Paul's making a, a defense of his calling and his message. And it's not from a place of ego like he wants to defend himself. There's some Jewish Christians who've come in behind him to churches that he started in Galatia. And they're teaching that these Gentile believers, they're all young believers. He's teaching them that in addition to being to following Jesus, they also need to follow the Old Testament law if they want to be acceptable to God. And one of the ways these Jewish Christians are uh, pushing that message is they're undermining Paul. They're saying he's not a real apostle, and they're saying that his gospel is insufficient. So Paul opens Galatians by defending both of those things. His calling, he says, my calling came straight from Jesus. My message came straight from Jesus. And then last week we saw him talk about a visit that he made to Jerusalem, a private meeting that he and Barnabas and Titus had with Peter and James and John. And the reason he's recounting that meeting is these Jewish Christians who are causing so much trouble, Paul is saying, I actually went to the source. I went to the pillars of the church. I went to the apostles and elders who lead that Jerusalem church. And here's what they said. They said that my gospel didn't lack anything. So these guys are telling you that I took out something essential, the Old Testament law. Peter, James, and John would disagree. They said it's sufficient, the stuff that I told you guys. They're saying, these guys who are causing trouble, they're saying I'm not a real apostle. Peter, Peter, James, and John would disagree. They said my calling to the uncircumcised, to the Gentile, is is equivalent. It's on the same level as as Peter's calling to the Jews, to the circumcised. They, They... we shook on it, right hand of fellowship is what Galatians 2.9 says. They affirm what I, who I am and what I'm teaching. Today we're going to see the last little bit of this defense, and it looks different than what's come to this point. Last week is a private meeting in Jerusalem with these six men. This is a public confrontation between Paul and Peter and Antioch. So just a little bit of background. Jerusalem, birthplace of Christianity. Peter, James, and John are headquartered there. And the majority of the believers in Jerusalem have a Jewish background. So they're Jews who come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, and they are, most of them are continuing to live as Jews. They're continuing to follow the law. Jesus was a Jew. He followed the law. They're, con- they're continuing to do that, trusting in Jesus as their Messiah. Uh, 10 or so years, 12 years after Jesus ascended into heaven, gospel begins to spread outside of Jerusalem. And it really takes root in a place called Antioch, which you'll see there on the map behind me. It's an important city, 500,000 people, 65,000 Jews. And uh, a church begins to form there that becomes rather significant. And most of the believers in that church have a Gentile background not Jewish, Gentile background. It's the headquarters for Paul and Barnabas. In Antioch is where believers were first called Christians. There's the association strictly with Jesus and not any reference back to, to, to Judaism. And so those are the two, two hubs of Christianity during the time of Galatians. You've got Jerusalem, 
Peter, James, and John, largely Jewish background believers. Antioch, Paul, and Barnabas, largely Gentile background believers. There's no, they're, they're not competing with one another, but there's tension. There's some tension there between some, some people. In, in, how do we relate to one another, Jews and Gentiles? How, how are we supposed to do this? One other thing to keep in mind. Observant Jews would not eat with Gentiles at all. The idea is defilement or impurity or ritual uncleanness. Those are all different ways of saying the same thing. It's contagious. It's like cooties. And so if, you're, if we eat together, I'm going to get it from you. You're going to serve me something that's not kosher. You're going to prepare the food in a way that's, that, that's not kosher. You're, I'm going to touch something or you're going to touch me. Somehow, I'm going to become defiled as a Jew if I eat with you. And so I'm just not even going to risk it. Jews didn't enter Gentile houses and they didn't eat with Gentiles if you were observant. So you can keep that in mind as we read about this confrontation. Um, my Bible is going to say Cephas. Cephas is just another name for Peter. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, You're a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow to follow Jewish customs. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So it, very, very uh, plain what's, what's going on. The, the action is very simple. So you've been to Wednesday night supper. You've been to a food truck here, family dinner. So just picture that. This is just to help you get a visual and keep this in mind, how simple this is. So Peter, for whatever reason, goes to Antioch. We don't know why. Maybe because there's 65,000 Jews there, and he's called as an apostle to the Jews. But he goes, and when he goes at Wednesday, for Wednesday night dinner, they're all eating together as brothers. People from a Jewish background and people from a Gentile background. They're all sitting at the same table, and Peter's a part of it. He just gets, goes through the buffet line, gets his food, and he sits down anywhere there's an open seat. Everything's great. Then at some point... Some guys come from Jerusalem. Paul says they come from James. We know in Acts 15, James says actually they didn't. He talks about some guys. He says they, they claim to come from us and they caused you trouble, but they did. We're, we're sorry about that. They didn't, we didn't send them. So these are not official delegates from James. We saw last week James shook hands with Paul saying Gentiles don't have to follow the Old Testament law. He didn't go back on that, but these are guys from his church who are speaking and not, not, not on his behalf. So they get there to Antioch, and they, start, they get in Peter's ear, and they start whispering to him about following the law. And the tense of the verbs, it's a gradual withdrawal and separation. So whereas initially, Peter goes through the buffet line and he'll sit anywhere, over time he starts to, he goes through the line and he's looking and Here's a Jew, and there's a Gentile down here, so maybe he sits down here. A little more space between 
him. He's got the Jewish buffer. Cooties maybe won't make it down the table. And then he starts saying, I'm only going to eat at the Jewish table. If there are any Gentiles here, I'm not going to eat with them at all. And then because he's Peter, and he's a pillar of the church, and he's well-known, other people are looking at him, other Jewish background Christians, and they're going, well, if Peter does that, well, then maybe I'm going to do it too. And then most devastating for Paul, Barnabas starts doing it. He's only eating at Jewish tables. And remember, Barnabas, he was in Antioch before Paul. He actually goes to where Paul was in a place called Tarsus, brings Paul to Antioch. They work together for over a year. Barnabas now won't eat with people that he's led to the Lord. He won't eat with people he's prayed with, that he's encouraged, that he's discipled, if they have a Gentile background. And all this is happening. And so at some point, Paul goes through the line and he gets his tray full of food. And then he walks into the room and he sees Jewish tables and Gentile tables. And he's not happy about that. It's a public action on Peter's part. It divides the church. This is happening in, it's more than one table. It's happening in community. Again, where you've got Jews now following Peter's lead. Jewish background Christians have completely separated themselves from the Gentile background Christians. You've got two different groups of folks, two different tables now. And Paul's not happy about it. And he calls Peter out publicly. It's a public action on Peter's part. It's a public rebuke on Paul's part. And it's a big deal. It's, this isn't about being nice. It's... It's not even about being inclusive or tolerant. It's not about opinion or preference. What Paul says is Peter wasn't walking straight. That's what that phrase, keeping in line with the gospel. He literally means he wasn't walking straight. He veered off from the gospel. He said Peter stood condemned. He's dead wrong. Remember, Jews won't sit at a table with Gentiles because they are concerned about being defiled, about becoming unclean. These Gentile cooties are going to get on me, and so I'm just going to avoid the possibility. So if Peter and these other, Gentile, these other Jewish Christians and Barnabas included, if they're not eating with Gentiles, what are they saying? You're not clean. You're still defiled. You're not holy. So what are they saying? Trusting in Jesus is not enough to make you holy, to make you clean, to make you pure. What are they saying? Jesus' blood is not sufficient. It's a huge issue. And Paul calls them on it because it's a huge issue. It even goes beyond division within the church. He says the truth of the gospel is what's at stake here. By not eating with Gentiles, Peter, what you're communicating is they're not actually your brothers anymore. If they're acceptable to God, then they're acceptable to you, and you should be sitting down with them and eating. And if you're, if you're saying they're not acceptable to you, what you're communicating to them is that they're not acceptable to God. You're saying the cross is insufficient. It's Jesus plus the law is what makes you acceptable to the Lord. And so Paul calls Peter on it and he says to him, 
I know what you believe. You, you don't even follow the law. You know, and I know, that no one is justified by the law, but by faith in Jesus. We'll talk about that some more next week when we look at the end of the rest of chapter 2. But for now, just know that's, that's the line. Paul and Peter, they, they shook on it in Jerusalem. Paul knows what Peter believes. Peter used to sit at the table with everybody else. And so he, that's, he's just saying, I, I know what you believe, and it's not, it, it's not what you're communicating by your actions. Again, it's a really big deal. So for us, just a couple of things thinking about. We don't want to beat Peter up. And Paul's not telling this story to say, see, I'm better than him. It's not that. Paul's about to push on the Galatians really hard. And I think what he's saying is, I, I'll push on anybody really hard who's veering off from the gospel as he's about to with the Galatians, even Peter. And I think he's also saying, this is something that you've got to fight for. You're going to be tempted, just like Peter was. You're going to be tempted towards veering off, towards hypocrisy. That's what he calls what Peter's doing. And I think for us, that's a word of warning. Let Peter be kind of a cautionary tale for us. Why did he change his eating habits? Why did he separate himself from the Gentiles? It wasn't because he agreed with these Jewish Christians who were saying you had to follow the law. It totally wasn't. Paul says you're being a hypocrite. You're putting on a mask. Peter was one of the first, if not the first, to, forgot, to, to, to realize that God is calling Gentiles outside of the law. You can go back and read the full story in Acts 10 and 11. We don't have time to go through all of it, but just those couple of verses behind me, Peter sees a vision. Three times he sees the same vision, a sheet coming down from heaven with all kinds of animals, clean and unclean. Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Peter says, I've never put anything unclean in my mouth. And what God says to him is don't call anything impure or unclean that I've said is clean. Don't do that. If I've said it's pure, then it is. Immediately on the heels of that, he goes to the house of Cornelius, who's a Gentile. Prior to that vision, Peter probably wouldn't have even gone to the home. You wouldn't even enter the house of a Gentile because, again, because of the cooties. And so, but he goes and he preaches the gospel. And he doesn't get through. And these guys are filled with the Holy Spirit and they begin to speak in tongues. The exact same thing that happened to the Jewish group in Acts 2. And Peter's conclusion that he draws from that is they got the same gift we did. And it's obvious the same phenomenon, speaking in tongues, same phenomenon in Acts 2. Like that's, that shows, it's, it's the same. God is treating both of these groups, Jew and Gentile, the same. And he says, if God's doing that, who am I to stand in the way of what God is doing? He recognizes these Gentiles have been made right with God because of their faith in Jesus, not because they kept the law, because they didn't keep the law. He's actually criticized for that. When he goes back to Jerusalem and he tells people what's happening, he's criticized and he doesn't back down. It's, he, he, he tells his story and says, We're, I'm not going to get in the way of what God is doing. So whatever's going on in Peter, it's not that those guys have convinced him that the law is necessary to be made acceptable to God. That's not it at all. Again, Paul says you're putting on a mask. You're being a hypocrite. What could it be? I don't know. Two choices, I thought. The ones that I thought of. One, you know, we all have 
certain sins that we tend to struggle with, even after we become Christians, kind of like an Achilles heel, and we do have stretches where we seem to be doing pretty well, and then some circumstances, and we, it's just, it's, it's the one. And maybe for Peter, it was courage. We see that on the night that Jesus was betrayed. He, did, he displays some courage in following Jesus, but then when he's questioned, he quickly denounces Jesus, says, I don't even know who this guy is. So maybe there's certain circumstances, for whatever reason, Peter gets intimidated and he loses the courage of his convictions. Could be that these guys are in his ear and they're saying, hey, listen, there's 65,000 Jews here and you're going to lose your audience with every one of them if they find out that you're not keeping the law. That's who you're called to and you're going to blow it when they find out you're eating with Gentiles. And so maybe that's why Peter changed his mind. We don't know, but regardless, it was the wrong thing to do. He stood condemned. He was in the wrong, even if his motives were were good. He did the wrong thing. Again, even if it was he's trying to preserve his ministry to the Jews, you can't preach all who call on the name of Jesus will be saved and then by your actions communicate all who call on the name of Jesus plus obey the law will be saved. You can't have it both ways. Again, it's the truth of the gospel is what's at stake here. And so for us trying to step back think we can all find ourselves in similar spots. We can find ourselves, like Peter, intimidated by certain people or certain circumstances. And then we find ourselves veering from the gospel, putting on a mask. Remember, that's what hypocrisy means. It's a theater word. Putting on a mask, not allowing our true convictions to influence the way we behave. A couple of things that I thought of that couple of situations that push us towards hypocrisy. Some people think in terms of people. When I'm around these people, I'm tempted to veer off. Other people think in terms of circumstances. It's probably two different ways of looking at the same incident. One of the things that I think can trip up a lot of us, particularly those who become Christians a bit later in life, is when you're around the people who knew you before Jesus. It can be super simple or easy in those circumstances just to put the mask on. And that's what we say, it's just easier. For some of you, when you go home, you revert back to middle school you, whatever that role is in your family. You're, you're that person again. And in your mind, you're like, it's just a meal and I'm just trying to get out alive. And so whatever I got to do, I'll wear any mask. They didn't know me as someone who follows Jesus, and I'm not rocking that boat with them now. I'll send them a Christmas card, you know, whatever that is. And we can do that. For some of you, it's like it's your old gang or whoever. That I, I, my 30-year high school reunion's coming up, and so for some of you, it's like a, cert, a situation like that. Those guys didn't know me as someone who's following Jesus. And so it's just one night. And it's easier just to put the mask on and to veer from the gospel. And that can look like a lot of things. One too many drinks, laughing at things that you know are inappropriate, saying things that you know are inappropriate, whatever that is. And again, it's kind of in your mind, you're justifying it. It's just one night. It's just easier for me to get through this. For some of us, and I think this is really common, if we're either trying to impress someone or someone has something that we need, We put on the mask to be who they want us to be. And what we say is, it's just this one time. Once I close the deal, 
with them, potential client, well, then, then I'll be a little bit more real. You do whoever the cool kids are, your boss, potential date, whatever that is. Somebody who I want to impress or who has something that I need. Let me put on this mask to get through this initial encounter, get what I want, get them to say yes, and then they can see the real me. And we all know that rarely works. I don't know how that lands on you, but for, for all of us, I think there's temptation there. There are cir- people and circumstances that intimidate us, and we can, we can be tempted to veer from the gospel and to put on the mask. How do we avoid that? One, be aware. Like, you, you have a calendar. Look at it. If you know, it's when you go home. Well, you know when you're going home. So you can be a little bit more internally prepared. Sometimes you're caught off guard, but in general, if, if you know this, the people or the circumstances, then you can be prepared, and being prepared looks like praying. Ask the Holy Spirit to strengthen you. He's not going to choose for you, and that's, that can be a bit of a misconception. The Holy Spirit's going to make me. He's not. He's not. He's not going to choose for you. He can lead you towards the right choice. He can strengthen you in that, but it's ultimately your will. He's not going to make you do something that you don't want to. He can help you do things that you do want to. And so if you're saying, I want to be faithful in this, he can help you there, and he will strengthen you. So your prayer might sound something like this, like, God, here's the, here's the thing. When I'm with them, I, it's super hard for me. I put a mask on. I feel, I feel guilty on the back end, but in the moment, it's just too hard. The easiest thing for me to do is put on a mask, veer from the truth. I don't want to do that this time. And I'm asking you to help me. If you don't help me, I know what I'm going to, I know the road I'm going to take. And so I'm asking you, fill me with your spirit. Would you strengthen me in the moment to be faithful? And that's the last thing, be faithful. You, you still have to make a choice. We've said before, courage is not the absence of fear. It's the presence of faithfulness in spite of fear, in the face of fear. You're not necessarily going to feel different at that time. But you can make a choice to be courageous. One thing that kind of helps me, if I can, is to think long-term fruit versus short-term pain. So in, in this encounter, if I can just be honest, if I can not put up the mask, not be who I think you want me to be, not veer from the truth, not be who I used to be, but be honest about my convictions as a follower of Jesus, if I can do that in this, in this moment, it's going to pay off long term. I have an advantage over all of you because I can say I'm a pastor. And if that helps you, then you can say it too. <laughs> People will, ch- they'll change the way they act. What do you do? I'm a pastor. Oh, nobody probably apologizes to you when they cuss around you. They do to me. <laughs> it can be helpful. So we can, on the way out, we've got cards. We'll give you one. So if you can get through that initial time where, where you don't put on the mask, where you're, 
It's a, it's a bad word, but it's true where you're not a hypocrite. Where you're living genuinely. You're not veering from the truth. You're not veering from the convictions that are in your heart about what it means to follow Jesus. If you can do that first time, it, it, it will change things for you. Maybe a bit awkward for the others, but it's, it's, it, y'all will find a new equilibrium. And it will be a better one because then you can actually be a blessing to them. You can actually be someone God can use in their life. If you're wearing a mask, you're no good to them. If you can take it down or not put it up in the first place, then the Lord can use you to bless them. So if there's a way to think long-term fruit versus short-term pain, that may help you in that moment when you're feeling all of that and you're sweating. It may help you in that moment to not put the mask on. So this is what I want us to do. We're going to close with ministry. And there's two, two, we'll pray with you about whatever you had going on. If you came in with something, please let us pray with you. But two, two main things. One, and, and this one's hard, but I'm going to challenge and encourage you to respond publicly. If you're wearing a mask, like if you know right now, I wear a mask at work. I wear a mask when I'm playing golf with this group of guys. I wear a mask when I go out with this group of women, whatever that is. I want to encourage you to repent. And to do that, I want, I'm going to ask you to come forward. Nobody's going to, you don't have to confess anything on a microphone. But, so, I don't want to manipulate you, but you've been wearing a mask publicly. And so this is an opportunity to take it off publicly. And by that, it just means coming down and letting a team pray for you. That's it. And all you have to do is say, I wear a mask at work. You don't have to go into any details. I wear a mask at work. I veer from the truth. I don't walk straight. I'm not walking straight when I go home for Thanksgiving. I'm not walking straight then. It can be that simple, that general. But I want to encourage you to actually get up. I can repent in my seat. You absolutely can. Don't hear this as guilt, but as a challenge. Your, your mask is out there. It's public. And so this is an opportunity for you, again, even within the safety and security of this room, to come forward and take a mask off in a bit of a public way. I think it can be a powerful thing for you to say out loud, I put on a mask on the golf course. Let these guys pray with you about that. And again, you don't have to give any details and they're not going to ask you any questions. Second, this is really different. It's Labor Day. So if you've got some work issues, we want to pray with you about that. Some of you need work. That's the issue. And so we want to pray that God would lead you to a job that will be fulfilling and that will pay the bills and that you could use your skills and all of that. Some of you, you have, there's tension for you at work, maybe with a coworker, maybe with a boss. Some of you have people who report to you and you're not exactly sure how to manage them well at this point. There's just, there's relational tension. We want to pray with you about that. Some of you maybe are facing a decision. Maybe you own your own business and you're not sure what to do and people are kind of looking at you going, well, what, what's it going to be? We want to pray. God cares about all of those details. We spend tons of time at work, and we want to pray that that time would be filled with peace. And so if you've got some work 
issues, we want to invite you for prayer as well. So mask wearing and work issues. Again, if there's something else, that's great as well. But those two in particular. So I'm going to say a prayer. Chad's going to come up, lead us in a a bit more worship. I want y'all to respond as you feel led. If the teams are full, just have a seat. You can sit over here. This row is empty. Just sit down until uh, one of the teams is open. I want to make sure that everybody that wants prayer gets it. Okay? Let's pray. God, I want to pray for those of us who are, if we're most honest right now, we would say we're wearing a mask. I pray first, Holy Spirit, I pray for conviction. I pray that 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 initial response to be ashamed and to pull back from you, we want to overcome that and run towards you and towards the mercy that you extend to us. We're so grateful for your mercy. So I pray for those right now who... in that place of not walking straight, they're intimidated for whatever reason. Would they know your forgiveness? Would they know your cleansing? Would they know your love and your pleasure? And would they know your power? I pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, that in that moment of decision, they would be faithful. And God, I pray for those who have something at work that's gnawing at them or eating at them or even overwhelming them. Again, we spend so much time there and I pray for everybody in their work that there would be peace in those environments. So would you speak with clarity to those who are seeking direction? Would you give grace to those who are needing an extra measure of your power and your love? Would you give compassion for those who are growing weary of coworkers or people that they're in the kind of on the on the org chart. Would you come, Holy Spirit, now and move in the hearts of all of these men and women in all of these different ways. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Stonebridge Church Sermon of the Week. 